Good morning. Would you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you and you need help finding it, it's page 1369. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Lord, so much to uh, thank you for and to worship you for your omnipotence, your great power. Nothing's too hard for you. Your omniscience, your all-knowing, your great wisdom. And Lord, we thank you also for your omnipresence, that you're everywhere. That you're with us. You never leave us or forsake us. We ask that you would speak to us in a wonderful way through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin this morning with a very sad verse that Paul wrote at the end of his life. Upon deep reflection of this verse, it should bring tears to your eyes. Look what Paul writes. Verse 16, 2 Timothy Chapter 4. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Of the 13 or 14 letters that Paul wrote that are included in the New Testament, this letter, 2 Timothy, was his last. This is the last one he wrote. He's at the end of the road. When he wrote this letter, he was in a Roman cell. When he wrote this letter, he knew that he was about to be killed for his faith in Jesus Christ. He was about to be martyred. Earlier in the chapter, Paul writes, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. The time of my departure is at hand. The end of Paul's pilgrimage on earth has come. And there at the end of his life, in that cell, waiting, awaiting execution, he was all alone. All by himself. Now that shouldn't sit well with us. The most celebrated missionary in all of church history. The man who dedicated his life to serving Christ. He did so many things. He accomplished so many things. Took three missionary journeys over an 11 year period of time. Traveled 10,000 miles. Led countless souls to Christ. Established 14 named local churches. Took the gospel to the entire Gentile world. Wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. 14 if you also believe he wrote Hebrews. Testified before world powers. Suffered greatly for Christ. One of the greatest men of God who has ever lived. And notice what it it says right there in the middle there. He mentored and he raised up hundreds of ministers. 
lots of friends. And at the end, he was alone. None of those friends were with him. He mentions his first defense in verse 16. He says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. So the Roman judicial process initially involved what was called a first action, a first defense, a preliminary defense hearing before the emperor or magistrate, roughly equivalent in purpose to a grand jury hearing. So Paul's all by himself. He's in that Roman cell. He's taken out and he's brought before the magistrates in this very formal setting, perhaps even before the emperor Nero himself. On such occasions, it was common to hear advocates for the accused. So friends and colleagues and family members would come and stand with the accused, vouch for them, support them, speak for them. No one stood with Paul. No one came forward. He was at his defense all by himself. Now he had hundreds of friends. There were probably hundreds of members of the church right there in Rome who knew the circumstances that he was going through. But there he is. He's all by himself. Perhaps there were some who would have stood by him, but they were outside, away from Rome. But it's most likely that most people stayed away on purpose. It was a very dangerous time to be a Christian then. The Roman persecution was really starting to break out. The Roman emperor, Nero, hated Christianity. He hated Christians. He began persecuting Christians, hunting Christians. In 64 AD, a fire broke out which destroyed much of Rome. Some historians say that Nero did that on purpose because he wanted to rebuild Rome, but he, whatever the case, he blamed it all on the Christians, and the Christians became the scapegoat. So at that time, Christians were being hunted, they were being tortured, they were being killed. Christians were being burned at the stakes, Christians were being fed literally to the lions. So, who's going to identify and stand with Paul, the most fearless and outspoken apostle? No one. Nobody. All by himself. Now I kind of see Paul putting on a happy face as he writes this at the end of verse 16. He says, may it not be charged against them. But I know it hurt. Can you imagine being left all alone in your hour of need after a lifetime of serving Christ? How bad that would feel. What a terrible thing to be alone in time of need. It makes me think of many Christians today who are utterly alone in prison cells across the world. You know, there's a lot of lonely people. What about Christians who are all alone on a hospital bed? What about elderly Christians left all alone in a nursing home? The Christian who's all alone on the deathbed under hospice care. 
Paul felt that sting. And it hurt, and it was tough. Then those wonderful words that we've been finding throughout the scripture in our current series. But the Lord. Look what we read. Verse 16. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I love that. Paul says, everyone left me, everyone deserted me, everyone abandoned me, but not the Lord. The Lord stood with me. When Paul was standing at that first defense before the court, he experienced a profound awareness of Jesus Christ with him. Paul experienced a profound awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ with him in that dungeon cell. In fact, the way the language is written, Jesus may have actually visited him. He got a vision. Everyone else is gone. But Jesus was there. And there at the very end, he says, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I was so weak, he says. I was so frail, so scared. So lonely. But the Lord came to me. And he strengthened me. Now this word for strength. In dunamao. Very rare word. In the New Testament. Doesn't show up a whole lot. Has a very technical meaning. It's related to that Greek word dunamas. We get dynamite from that. It's power. The idea is. The infusing. Of power. A.T. Robertson, one of my favorite Greek scholars, translated it, pour power into. So I th- there's Paul, all lonely, all hurt, abandoned by all. But he says, Jesus was with me, and he poured his power into me. So I could make it. I was strengthened. This word... In Dunamao, I said it's rare. It doesn't show up very often, but it does show up in the life of Paul twice. It shows up here at the end of his life. It also shows up at the beginning of his Christian life in Acts chapter 9, when Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul. We read in Acts chapter 9, Saul increased all the more in strength. Right there at the beginning of his Christian life, when everyone was afraid of him, The Lord was with him and poured his power into him. And here at the end of his life, when he's been abandoned, the Lord was with him and poured his power into his life. And all the days in between. My friend, listen. The Lord does not abandon his people. Amen? The Lord never leaves someone. Never leaves his people. The Lord is the best of friends. You know, we talk a lot about the Great Commission where Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. That's a tall task, and he's called all of that to that. 
But don't forget his promise. And lo, I'm with you always. How long? Even to the end of the age, Paul knew that promise to be true. Paul had a lot of friends. He had a lot of colleagues. A lot of connections. But his best friend was Jesus. Jesus never left him or forsake him. My brother and sister in Christ, this is also your promise. This is a promise that's made to you. If you are a born-again Christian, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. You may have friends abandon you. You might have family members abandon you. You might even have Christians abandon you. Look what happened to Paul. But Jesus will never abandon you. And in fact, I found in my life time where I've, I've, I've looked back and I felt most alone. You know, you're just in that, that place in life and you feel like nobody really understands. And who can I really call? Who can I talk to? Well, I tell you what, you reach out to Jesus Christ and he'll stand by you. And he'll pour his power into you. There's a wonderful definition of a friend. A friend is that person who comes near. When everyone else goes far. Jesus comes near. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. And so Paul at the end of his life. Facing all of this. Had Jesus with him. And Jesus to strengthen him. Now notice what the Lord strengthened Paul to do. I love this detail. In verse 16 it says, At my first defense no one stood with me. This is Paul. All forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles... Might hear. Now, I love that detail. All alone, standing before the Roman authorities, perhaps even Nero, the Lord Jesus stood by him and strengthened him, not just to make him feel better, but strengthened him with the power to preach the gospel. Paul did not use that time to plead for his life. He used that time to plead for the lives of others. He preached the gospel to all the Gentiles into that court. He preached the gospel to Nero. I love that. That's what Paul did all of his life. And that's what he would do to the end of his life. Be a witness. Share the gospel. You know, I think sometimes the church can be very superficial in America. And we as Christians can be very superficial. We'll pray prayers like this. Jesus, make me feel better. People are being mean to me. I don't have any friends. Jesus, take me to a happy place. And a lot of times it's all about how we feel. I'm depressed. Help. Now, God will come along and help us in times like that. But he strengthens us to make us useful. 
Not just so you can feel better about yourself. And I'll tell you what, I do know Christians who have preached the gospel from hospital beds. I do know Christians who have preached the gospel from deathbeds under hospice care. There are Christians that are empowered to preach from prisons and cells and in the lonely places on planet Earth. And he can empower you to be that way as well. Notice what else the Lord did. Again, his first defense. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So this is really cool. He's in a lot of danger. And at that first defense, anything could have happened. The the governor, whoever was in charge, could have said, enough, kill him. It was very possible that Paul could have been killed right then and there at that moment. But he was delivered. Jesus delivered him from the mouth of the lion. Now, there are some Bible scholars that take that literally. It's very possible that right after that first defense, Paul was placed in the den of lions. Literally, like they were going to kill him. Just like Daniel the prophet was placed in the den of lions. You remember that story in the Old Testament? Can you imagine the aged, old Paul the Apostle going into the Colosseum, surrounded by lions, and that one last time God miraculously delivered him? You know, God can make, God can take away the appetite of lions. Did you know that? It's very possible that he was spared. Some think that maybe he's speaking in very general sense of the Roman magistrate, the the lion's Nero. The lion is that government control, and God said, no, you will not execute him at this time. The lion could also speak of the roaring lion, Satan, who looks to kill and destroy anybody who makes a difference for him. Whatever the case, at that first hearing... Jesus stood with Paul, strengthened him to testify, and then delivered him. So Paul had to go back to his cell. Now that was a very important moment in church history. That deliverance was very, very important. Because there was one last thing that Paul had to do. I've put up this famous painting by Rembrandt. 1629 of Paul. I zoomed in on this. Let me zoom out. Can't see it too good, but he's got a pen. One last letter to write. One more letter. Which letter? The one we're reading. Second Timothy. One of his most powerful letters. The letter that encourages Christians more than any. See, as long as you have breath, you're useful. Paul, to the very end, used every day, every breath, 
to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He wrote this letter at the very end. And no doubt he probably also continued preaching to all the Roman guards. How would you like to be a guard for the Apostle Paul? To the very end. It's never over till it's over. Brother, sister in Christ, your life is not over till Jesus says so. And on your deathbed, you can still make a difference. In your loneliness, you can still make a difference. In the prison, you can still make a difference. All the way to the very end. So the Lord did deliver him. But soon after this letter, he is delivered over to Nero. They took Paul to a chopping block. And Paul was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ as a martyr. And he knew that was coming, but look how he looked at death. Look at verse 18. I love this. Look at the spirit. He said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice how Paul viewed his impending death. He saw it as deliverance. I'm going to be delivered. Jesus will meet me at the chopping block. I'll be rescued by him in the sense that he's going to take me by the hand and bring me into his heavenly kingdom. He's going to preserve me. And as he thinks about that, he breaks out in praise To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. At the end of my life, you're with me. And at my last breath, you're with me. If you're a Christian, Jesus will be with you. You know, really, if you think about it, a Christian who's lived a long life and serving him like Paul, death is a promotion. It's an entrance into the kingdom. And if you belong to the Lord, he'll be there for you. Now listen, I want you to think about something when it comes to death. When you die, you will do it alone. Now you may be surrounded by family and friends on your deathbed, and that's a great thing. But when you take your last breath, you go through the portal alone. You go through the door alone. Nobody goes with you. Except for your best friend. The one who never leaves you. Jesus. He'll never leave you or forsake you. A lot of people are are, are afraid of that last moment. That moment if you're a born-again Christian, Jesus will meet you there. One of my favorite uh, scriptures, Psalm 23, If the Lord your shepherd, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Man, if you're a born-again Christian, death for you is not a valley that you stand in. It's a valley that you walk through. And guess who walks you through? Your shepherd. 
in a profound sense, when you breathe your last, Jesus will be there for you. Because he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you. Lo, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. What an awesome friend we have in Jesus. Now and forever. As I thought about this passage, I I just rejoiced over how faithful the Lord was to Paul. And how faithful the Lord will be to us. But you know what? This also convicted me. Was it right for Paul to be alone at the end? Where were the people? And as I thought about Paul alone in that dungeon cell, I thought about all the people that are alone in my life. And that, you know, as the body of Christ, as Christians, we have a responsibility to be there for them. There are Christians in nursing homes that need to be visited. There's lonely people in your neighborhood that could use a call. There are people dying on deathbeds under hospice care that could use a visit. And I think as Christians, we should be very, very sensitive to what's going on in our congregation. Are there people that you can help? Or are we leaving people abandoned? Let me briefly mention another but God moment in the life of Paul. Earlier in his life, he writes this in 2 Corinthians. He says, for even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. So this is another horrible time in his life. Everything is going berserk. It's all crazy. What, I mean, he's stressed. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of whom? Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. You know, God comforts his people through his people. Brother, sister. You could be a but God moment in the life of somebody around you who is desperately alone. Will you be that? Will you look for those people? Will you be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? Who are you thinking about right now? Does the Holy Spirit put someone in your mind right now? Now, there is only so much that you and I can do as humans. And we can come alongside and help somebody and do our best, but there's only so much we can do. So be sure whenever you're comforting someone to lead them to the Lord. To get them connected to the shepherd 
the one who will be their best friend now and forever. Because he is the one who, in the final analysis, is our best friend now and forever. Question, is he your best friend? Has Jesus become your best friend? Jesus said something very interesting to his disciples in John chapter 15. This is the night he was arrested. This is the night he would go to the cross. He would be arrested and go to the cross. He said to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And after Jesus said that, he walked out of that upper room. He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he gave his life away for his friends. Jesus wants to be your best friend. Not only that, he gave everything so that you could be his best friend. You got no better friend. The Bible teaches that we are not naturally friendly with God. God is perfect, sinless, righteous, holy. We are not. And our sins separate us from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus left heaven, became man, went to the cross, and laid down his life. The Bible says that he died in our place. Our sins were laid upon him. He died for our sins He bore that punishment that we deserve to pay. And then on that third day, he rose again. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he'll save you. You'll become a child in his family. And he will be your best friend. And he'll be with you all the way to the end. And beyond. Have you received him? Have you invited him? Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? First of all, Lord, this morning we are so blessed to be reminded of that great promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you stand with your people and you pour your power into your people. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you, Lord. Even in those worst moments. Thank you for your promise to walk with us through every difficult time in this life. Lord, I pray that as your people, we'd do likewise. We would be your hands and feet. And that we would be very sensitive to everyone in our lives who's lonely. That we would reach out to those who are going through difficult times. May we be agents of your love. 
Lord, there are so many lonely people in this world, and I pray that we would reach out to them with your love. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I, I will ask you, is Jesus your friend? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Have your sins been forgiven? Are you a child in his family? That comes through faith in him. You must surrender your life to him. You must admit to him that you are sinful, that you have blown it, that you need to be forgiven. And put your faith and trust in the one who died for your sins and rose again that third day. If you do, your sins will be forgiven. Have you done that? If you haven't, just in the quietness of your heart, right now. You say, Lord, I want to be your friend. Be my best friend. The one who will never leave me or forsake me. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my savior. I am a sinner. Wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. Save me. Make me yours. Amen.